Her own anointing. 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 Her own. Hello and welcome to the inaugural season of Her Own Anointing Podcast, where we educate, support, and highlight women who are doing awesome works in ministry, especially those women who serve or are connected in some way to Restoration Movement churches. I am your host, Dr. Lana, and your favorite professor and public theologian, and maybe one day even your favorite podcaster. And today I have the special, special honor of interviewing my guest, Dr. Sarah Gaston Barton. She is a gifted preacher and Bible teacher, and she is currently serving as the university chaplain at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California. She holds a doctor of ministry degree from Lipscomb University's Hazlip School of Theology and a master's degree in spiritual formation from Spring Arbor University. She is also the author of A Woman Called, Piecing Together the Ministry Puzzle, a memoir about her call to ministry. So help me welcome my special guest, Dr. Sarah Gaston Barton. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi, I love the applause. I'm psyched now. Let's go. <laughs> it was great. Awesome, awesome. awesome. Yeah. Uh, the, pl- the applause always makes people feel great. So It does, it does. Yes. Great touch. Mm-hmm. So to, to kind of relax us a little bit, we are going to do some really quick, um, would you rather, the church version of some would you rather questions, okay? I'm ready. All right. Would you rather, would you rather see Jesus walk on water or see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Uh, Raising from the dead. That's got to be, that's the big one. one. I'm going with, I'm going with that one. Yeah. It's, it's just um, what a powerful, like with all the hard things in the world, what a powerful miracle to overcome death. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one I would have picked as well. Um, Number two, would you rather attend a baby shower for Sarah, Abraham's wife, or Mary, mother of Jesus? Mary, mother of Jesus. That one was easy for me. I don't (laughs) know. Like Mary, this, uh, what a powerful character. Just a I, I'm I'm actually working on a sermon right now for Sunday, this coming Sunday with Mary's song. So she's on my mind and oh my goodness, where would it be? Would it be in Egypt? Would it be in Bethlehem? Would it wow. be in Nazareth? Would oh. it be on like a donkey on the way? <laughs> All of the above. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. I would probably pick Mary, mother of Jesus, even though I think Sarah will probably have some some pretty interesting things to say, uh, having a baby at the age that she did as well. (laughs) Um, would you, so since you're, you know, you're a writer, would you rather have Paul as a writing partner or David as a writing partner? Paul. I went through a phase where I was kind of annoyed with Paul, but I'm not anymore. And I think one of the beautiful things God did was, you know, like Peter was out there preaching. He couldn't sit still, but Paul, 
he sat still, he wrote because mm. he was in prison. <laughs> he handled right. it well. He he used his circumstances for right. the good of the kingdom. And I just think God, you know, that God just channeled that gift or the Holy Spirit channeled that gift in, in Paul and look at what we learn from him. Absolutely. So, oh. well, you know, good things come out of uh, bad situations sometimes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. <laughs> good, good, good. Which so, one you, you didn't say which one you would choose, David or Paul? You know, so the the English professor in me likes uh the poetic uh nature of of David. So, I I might um I might have to choose David, but but the um the the debater in me likes Paul. So I don't know. I like both of them for different yeah. reasons. <laughs> I hard like both to choose. Yeah. Yes, hard to choose. Hard to choose with both of them. But yeah. Um good, good. So so let's get into, you know, um, you know, our reason for today, which is, you know, really to find out about um you and um ministry and just what that journey has been like for you. So if you could just tell us really just kind of walk us through um what your journey has been um in ministry. Um, how it started, um, how did you kind of get to the point where you are today? What has your journey in ministry um, been? Well, I grew up in rural Arkansas and on a farm and in a very, in a pretty small um, congregation. And I loved teaching children's Bible classes and I had great mentors Um, Paulette Dawkins comes to my mind. Um, She taught me how to teach a children's Bible class and I looked forward to it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it more than other things. And that, that congregation helped me grow in that gift. And Mm -hmm. I would study and I would get ready for, I remember creating a game called Bible baseball and the kids would, you know, get, get a fact ride and they could go to first base. You know, it was so, it was so fun. And that to me is the roots of ministry and um, the roots of being taught how to do it in just a local context with real people. I remember the kids' names in that class because we all knew each other. Mm. And so to me that it started there and it ignited something in me that loved the Bible and loved Mm. the church and believed we were there for a reason, you know? Mm, Absolutely. I loved that. And then I ended up going to a Christian university. I, I really wanted to go to a Christian university because I, I wanted to be around other people who felt similarly. I went to Harding university, which was, you know, an hour and a half from where I grew up. It felt like, you know, uh, it felt like I was going around the world when I hey. went an hour and a half away. Cause I was used to a very small community. Mm-hmm. But I loved Harding. And similarly, while I was there, I um, I found mentors who encouraged me, who showed me how to um, read the Bible well. I had really great uh, professors, Bible professors. We were required to take a Bible class 
every semester. And I loved that. I ended up with a minor in, in Bible. I have an English major, minor Yay. in Bible. Yeah, go English. <laughs> um, and a minor, but I wanted that minor in Bible, but I was scared to do a major in Bible. Mm. Because this was 1987 and women weren't doing that. You mm. know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't um, what I saw as a very wise path because what job mm. To get mm-hmm. but another part of that experience was that some of the mentors that um, who turned out to be my husband John some of the mentors for John and me were missionaries in East mm-hmm. Africa <clears throat> and they challenged us to think about going there making a difference And I never thought about doing something like that, but I went and I saw what was going on there and I loved it. And I thought, you know, I'm not scared of living somewhere new. I love meeting new people. I love what I'm seeing in churches there and I want to learn from people. So we ended up being missionaries in Uganda for 10 years. Wow. And I would say you think I was young. What was I thinking? I moved there with a five month old baby, but I, I loved what I learned from people in Uganda. You think the missionaries go, well, it's bad missionaries who go and just tell Mm -hmm. people what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We tried to be good missionaries. Mm -hmm. And So we ended up doing a lot of church work and we ended Mm -hmm. up doing a lot of um, development projects because that's what people needed and wanted um, us to help with. And so we came alongside people. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say that it was there in Uganda. Maybe people might say ironically, Mm -hmm. it was in Uganda that I was affirmed for ministry because it's a very patriarchal culture, more mm-hmm. so than the United States of America. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes it's where, you know, if the the men who are leaders see a gift in mm-hmm. a person and they say, oh, my goodness, Sarah, you are a good teacher. Teach. And so at first I did what we did in Arkansas. I taught women Mm, mm -hmm. and we were out in, you know, rural areas, which I loved the rural areas. You know, we would, we would have a big women's day and women would come and we would do special things with women, but men came Mm. and I was teaching the Bible Mm -hmm. and the men stayed. And a lot of these were illiterate farmers. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, we were just, I was telling the stories of the Bible and we were, you know, we were exploring that. And those conversations just were so rich. So interestingly, maybe ironically, I don't know what it is. My first teaching was in another language, a language I was learning called Lusoga. Mm -hmm. I spoke and taught in the Lusoga language and was affirmed. 
by Mm -hmm. men and women. And, you know, I'm not saying that it wasn't, it was always, you know, perfect or anything. Nowhere Mm -hmm. is perfect, but that's my journey into accepting that, that yes, I have a gift Mm -hmm. and it's not only for teaching women it's for teaching men too. And they're asking me to, and they want me to, and they've identified a gift in me mm-hmm. and called it out and like physically put hands on my head and mm-hmm. on, on my shoulders to affirm and ordain. We don't ordain, you know, in churches of Christ, but whatever we call it mm-hmm. to affirm me for ministry and pray that over me. It was life-changing. Wow. Uh, it was life-changing. So, you know, from there I said, well, if I can do it in Uganda, why can't I do it in Michigan or right. California? Right. California? And that's what I ended up doing in my life was it. I go back to those moments of being affirmed by wise, 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 older <clears throat> men and women in rural villages all the time. Mm-hmm. When, when I question, I go back to that. When I face hardships, I go back to that. And so, you know, I think that I contributed by being a member of a community, but mostly I feel blessed to have learned how other people worship, to have learned how they identify spiritual gifts and they celebrated with me when I got those degrees. Mm. They celebrated more than anyone I know when when I got those degrees. Wow. Now you mentioned being affirmed um, several times when you were talking about your experience in Uh Uganda and, um, and things like that. So when, when did you uh, know that you were called to ministry work? Was it confirmed during that time or, you know, was it before then or did it come after that? But when did you know that you were called to do ministry work and how do you feel like you um, outside of, you know, the Uganda experience or like, how do you feel like you are fulfilling that calling uh, to do ministry work? Oh, good question. Um, You know, it was such a journey and it's moments along the way, more than one moment, But um, I have learned to identify the Spirit's calling and God's movement to sustain me Mm. for that ministry because there are challenges. And so whenever I start to question or I face challenges I, um, I look to community. I Mm. don't, I I look to the community of God, the father, the son, the Holy spirit. And I look to the community of people who are saying yes. And who are inviting, um, because they're not all out there saying that, but there are people saying that. And I, I sit down with a journal often and I write down the truth I say what is the truth about my calling Mm. and the truth is other people have told me 
that Mm -hmm. I'm called to ministry. The Mm -hmm. truth is that God has affirmed it. The truth is that like stories in scripture and teachings in scripture have affirmed my calling. And so for me, it's, it's not done. Mm. I'm, I'm 55 years old. I'm a Nana now. I'm a mom. I'm a Nana. Mm -hmm. And I still, because of my upbringing and because of how I was shaped to wonder if this could be okay, Mm -hmm. I have to return and return and return to community. And again, that goes back to learning what it's like to be in a collective culture and and, and a part of a community rather than to be individualistic which mm-hmm. is such a big deal in the United States of America is to be individualistic. So I never figure it out when I'm individualistic. I struggle when I'm in myself, but when I'm communal, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. when, that's when I'm affirmed. Awesome. Now you mentioned when you were talking about, you know, your, your affirmation and your calling, you mentioned that there were, um, you know, several, um, obstacles that you had to to face. So um, what has it been like uh, for you being a woman in ministry? What are some of the obstacles you <clears> faced <throat> or even triumphs or what progress do you feel you've made? What What is it like being a woman in ministry? Oh my goodness. You know, um, I believe that ministry in some aspect and I don't know what you think about this. I'd love to hear your thoughts too, is that ministry is a calling inherently. Mm. Inherently, it's a calling to enter into some suffering. Like anybody Mm. that thinks this is going to be glorious or we're going to be, you know, on big stages, I'm suspicious of that. Mm -hmm. I I believe ministry is a calling into suffering. I, I, I have memorized Philippians 2, 5 to 11, with over 2,000 of my students last time I counted. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather mm. himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And, you know, I, I go to that a lot because mm-hmm. I think Jesus is our example And that when he showed us how to do ministry as a human, he suffered and he gave Mm -hmm. up himself and he wasn't about himself. And he, but I do have moments when I call out and I say, but Jesus, should it be this hard? Mm. Should it be this hard? Mm -hmm. Because I I have almost been crushed by some of the hard things Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. like you're up and you're saying a prayer or you're doing a communion meditation and people walk out, they get up and walk out and protest or the loss of friendships Yeah, or being accused when I just am trying so hard not to be this way, being accused of being, power hungry or mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. accused of trying to take over the church or, right, right. you know, I like to hear myself talk or that I haven't read the Bible. First Corinthians 14, 34, or, right, right. you know, uh, 
in in first uh, Timothy two, I you know I those are hard moments, and even when you get the job, and I've gotten mm. jobs, um, mm-hmm. and I'm clearly more qualified than men around me. Mm-hmm. Still see that men can walk into a room and have respect mm. that no matter how many degrees I get or how well mm. I do or how I shine or how I, I, I pastorally care for people. They have more respect than I have the minute they walk into a room without having done any of those wow. things. They, it, it, it's crushing. Um, mm-hmm. I just in the last few months, I have been told like, these are insulting. You know, you seem like a woman who cannot be told no. (laughs) Or, you know, you're shrill. Um, And maybe my voice is shrill. I don't know. I don't think I'm a whatever shrill means. I or so it's it's a little like getting spiritually punched in the gut over and over. And if I bring it up, then I'm being negative or I'm not Mm -hmm. being hopeful or I don't have enough faith or I've become cynical or I'm being too political or I hate men. And I don't Mm. think those things are true. Right. I I mean, you know, I'm human. Mm -hmm. I do things I shouldn't do, but I, I just, when that doesn't match the heart, I know God is working on in me. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's for me, the painful part. Um, I'm I'm kind of a sensitive person and I used to like be embarrassed by that, but now I own it. Yeah. I'm sensitive. Those things mm-hmm. hurt. Right. Those hurt. hurt. Yeah. Right. Right. And that is a, you know, something um, very, you know, very major to, to have to deal with. And I've, I've heard women in ministry, um, including myself have to, you know, hear um, a lot of those, those comments, but um it it doesn't it doesn't stop the work and it doesn't stop what you know what we know that God has has called us to do and and speaking of you know um doing the work and and knowing what God has has called us to do what are some of the things or the ministry projects or assignments that you know that you're currently working on or you've worked on in the past that um you know that that you know you feel are important or that you you want to to bring to to light yeah, well, I uh, you mentioned the book that I wrote, um, A Woman Called. I had a, I was teaching at the time I wrote this 10 years ago, and one of my students said, A Woman Called What? But <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed because it, it it is like you have to get the subtitle to get, get the book. Right. But piecing together the ministry puzzle, and I, I talked about how it was a puzzle from that time I was young till the time I was – a missionary to the time I was a chaplain to the time. It's just like, like, where can it fit? How can I make it work? How do the scriptures fit in? And I, um, it has been a puzzle because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know a lot of people who did it before me. So there was, there was no guide for me. I didn't have, um, women mentors in all of my education mm. mentioned. I never had, a woman professor and I never had a person of color. Wow. Wow. And that, now those institutions have 
corrected that now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I mean, it was hard. I was piecing it together, looking at all these men doing ministry and trying to figure out what it meant. And even at the time, there weren't that many women on TV doing it or women in other, you know, in denominations doing it. I I couldn't figure out how to do it. So it was a puzzle. Um, So my book, um, I'm also working on a grant um, here at Pepperdine called a compelling preaching grant. Mm-hmm. And it's um, endowed by the Lilly Endowment, which wants to help congregations grow. And we received this grant specifically to um, like explore and empower what it means for preaching to be compelling in Churches of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we have our first cohorts meeting for 2023, and that's already full. But in 2024 and 2025, we will repeat this and there will be openings. So I encourage anyone who wants to, we can, I can send you the details if they want to go ahead and apply and be a part of that. We we really want to think through what does that, what does it mean for preaching to be compelling in our day and time? So I'm working mm-hmm. on that with Mike Cope, who um, works here at Pepperdine and is the director. I'm the assistant director. He's the director of the grant. Um. I teach preaching courses at Pepperdine. I taught it in the spring and I had nine eager students, um, six women and three men who took Mm. class. And so I love teaching preaching right now. And then I also have a podcast with my daughter-in-law. Her name is Fallon Barton. And we have a podcast called Emerge. And it's about questions we encounter with young adult spirituality and there are several podcasts out there called emerge, but not, this is the only one about young adult spirituality. So people can Mm -hmm. find that. And um, we are exploring um, the questions young people have the hard things they're asking us Mm -hmm. and trying to get congregations with a lot of older people to think about what it means to bring these young people in and keep these young people Mm. interested in Mm -hmm. congregations because Mm -hmm. they're not having it on some of the stuff that we're trying to maintain. And one of the, um, one of the concerns they have is that women are not included in fully included in the church. Absolutely. Yeah, in all in all areas of um of leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think those are um um that's a that's a powerful work and, and those are um very much so um compelling and le- legitimate concerns yeah. um that um that those um young people have. And and thinking about, you know young people thinking about the people that you have mentored, how people have poured into you um, thinking about the work that you've done. Um, What, what do you, when, when it's kind of like said and done, what do you want your, your legacy to be? Or even what do you want to say to like the women or the little girls who are coming after you? Mm -hmm. So either what do you want your legacy to be or what messages do you have to, uh, the women um, who are are who may be coming behind you. Yeah, 
Um, you know, here we are. And this, this may be a little circular for a moment, so bear with me, but I will get there. Um, mm-hmm. Here we are sitting here discussing the role of women in the church and in marriages. We haven't mentioned marriages, but that's included. And mm-hmm. I just want to acknowledge that, you know, according to United Nations research worldwide, um, 70% of people living in poverty are women. Mm. of women will be targeted for physical and sexual violence in their Mm. lifetime. Mm -hmm. 603 million women living in countries where domestic, they live in countries where domestic violence is not even a legal offense. Mm. And of the estimated 800,000 people trafficked annually, 80% are female. Mm -hmm. Many are children. Women, uh, Women and girls worldwide are the last to eat. And they have the least to eat. Mm. So study after study shows that when when females are valued Mm. equally beside males and when income is invested in their education and health and businesses, these are communities that are more likely to thrive economically and socially. You know, so... If I'm talking about the church, why do I bring all this up and my legacy? Mm -hmm. Why do I bring all this up? I believe religion and Christianity in particular can either take part in addressing those world problems Mm. and making them better, or we can choose to contribute to that problem. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I believe the church is supporting patriarchal, um, structures, structures that lead to putting half of the world's population under the authority of someone who is not God. Mm. (laughs) And these, these um, schemes of the authority, some call it, you know, one has called it the umbrella of authority where there's God and then men. And then those schemes of authority or explanations of authority remove women from being under the authority of God. And and Mm. the mission of the church is for healing and inclusion and salvation for as many people as possible, as many people as we can introduce to Jesus. So, you know, I believe we're upholding a system that, Mm. that where women are valued for how they, they relate to men and support men instead of how they relate to God how they they follow Jesus, how they are in, you know, filled with the Holy spirit and, you know, in restoration churches and in churches of Christ, we love the book of acts. Mm. (laughs) And I just think we got to go to acts too and say this, you know, the spirit is poured out on all people. So for my legacy, I really want, um, I want to remind us that what we do on Sunday mornings and how we raise our children, boys and girls, Mm. impacts Mm -hmm. the world. Mm. We have this like I this amazing opportunity to impact the world for good. Mm -hmm. And personally, I'm just fatigued and weary of fighting over what women can do when 
when we can be out there helping address all of these big problems and it can start with teaching our, our young girls to be leaders, teaching them to go out there mm. and, and to have their faith inspire what it is they're going to do to serve and love and heal and invite people into the way of Jesus. So that's the legacy Amen. I think that I would love to leave is that that's where I point ultimately, not just to who stands in a pulpit on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Not just who gets called a pastor or a preacher or Mm -hmm. a reverend, what, like, let's, let's point to that and let's, let's get a, let's have imagination and excitement about that rather than staying in these little bubbles. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. And amen. So for uh, those who have heard you today and they want to connect with you or support mm-hmm. you, how can um, how can they do that? Yes. Well, I'll point again to the podcast that we have called Emerge. That's probably the public um, expression of how to hear more from me. Um, I have a um, a sermon that I preached about David and Bathsheba, and it's on YouTube. Uh, under the Pepperdine Harbor Bible Lectures. And so people could hear me preach if they'd like to um, find that sermon. And um, again, I'll send you the information and I would love for people to, uh, men and women, to join the Compelling Preaching Grant that we're working on and get involved in small groups that help people explore what it means to preach in a compelling way in a world that desperately needs it. Thank you so much, Dr. Sarah Gaston Barton. This is the story of the woman of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Her Own Anointing Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Lana. I am so excited about what you're doing. Thank you so much. Her Own Anointing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Her Own Anointing. Please be sure to like and comment on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as a form of professional, legal, medical, or mental health advice. Hence, we do not, hence, we are not responsible for any losses, damages, or liabilities, or liabilities that may arise from the use of this podcast.